I'll bet you if I took a survey in here, everybody would probably want more. Or we could use the word increase. Maybe it's maybe you wanted you're in sales. You, you'd like to do more. Maybe you'd like to be more as a person. Maybe for our church, we'd like to grow more. Maybe in your financial area, you'd like to see increase. Well, we got a good word for you today that's kind of right in your mouth, in your face, about how to enlarge your capacity. You can't put a size 12 body in a size 4 dress. Hello, somebody. You're going to have to stretch that dress. And if God's going to increase his blessing on your life, his productivity on your life, or your business, or the church, or your your marriage, you've got to grow. You've got to increase your capacity to receive more. So that's where we're going. Matthew chapter 9, verse 14 through 17. One day the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and asked him, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples don't? Jesus responded, Should a wedding guest mourn while celebrating with the groom? Someday he'll be taken from you, and they will fast. Then he goes on to say, Who would patch an old garment with new cloth or unshrunken cloth? For the patch would shrink and pull away from the old cloth, leaving a bigger hole than before. And no one would put new wine into an old wineskin. The old skin would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the skin. New wine must be stored in new wineskins. Now both the wine and the wineskins are preserved. Kind of an interesting thought, but in that arid climate, a wine skin was a goat skin, basically, and over time, it got hard, crusty. It wasn't flexible anymore. And if you put new wine into an old wine skin, as it fermented, Yes, there was no refrigeration for you Baptist. As it fermented, it gave off gas, and it would stretch the wineskin, sort of abrupt moves. And being an old wineskin, it's not flexible. It's now getting a bit calloused, senile, stuck, hard. It would rupture. It would split. And that's exactly what will happen to you if you don't learn to allow God to make you more flexible and enlarge your capacity. Otherwise, he can't do anything but just give you old stuff. Whether it's a church or a marriage or your finances or any area in life, if he's going to put something new in, it's going to be moving. And if you're stuck in, well, I don't know, that seems awful loud. The music's awful loud. Well, I don't know why they don't wear choir robes. Well, I don't know why. you just an old, callous, senile wineskin. And God can't do anything new. Well, I like the old songs of the faith. They were great. But God even, God even says, sing a new song to the Lord. I'm quoting Scripture. God's, for God's sake, for my sake, sing a new song. 
I'm tired of hearing that for 400 years. It's a wonderful song. Can't you sing something new? I have the Holy Spirit to help you be creative. I hope it's hitting too hard because it's going to get worse. So hold on. In many great moves of God in this earth, they have failed. They didn't find any expression in the earth, but not because God wasn't in the move, but because of the vessel. The structure was inadequate. Even in everyday life, we recognize wisdom in providing an appropriate container for precious items. If you go out to the cafe and you can have a cup of coffee, you could either have them pour the coffee into your cupped hands, or you could put the coffee in a thermal cup, which would be the adequate container for the content. Would you agree? So it's very important to have the right content, but it's also necessary to have the right container. So the content is important, but the container is vitally important. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 2 and 3 in the Message Bible. Make your tents large. Spread out. Think big. Drive your tent pegs deep. You're going to need lots of elbow room. You're going to be a growing family. You're going to take over nations. You're going to resettle abandoned cities. Oh, I love that. Can you think big? Can, can, you, can you let God stretch you some? If you want more, you're going to have to enlarge your capacity. Our God is a God of possibilities. Our God is a yes God. All his promises are yes and amen. Our God is a permission-giving God, not a prohibition God. In Genesis 1, 28, God told Adam, be fruitful, multiply. God put no limit on his fruitfulness. He didn't say be fruitful until you bear this much. No. He said be fruitful. It's up to you. No restriction was given. God always gives us room to grow. He always gives us room to expand, to be enlarged. But the degree to which we'll grow and expand depends on our capacity that we give God. The only limit on our growth is the limit we create for ourselves. God's blessings over our lives are not limited by his willingness nor his ability to bless you. It's only limited by our capacity to receive it. So this morning, ask God to give you capacity for greater opportunity. Now, if I had a 10-gallon container of water and you brought me a four-ounce cup, that's all you're going to get. Not because I couldn't give you more, not because I don't want to give you more, but your container wouldn't hold it. So everything else would be spillage and waste. You know, if you're not faithful in a little, God said you won't be faithful in much. What's the point of me giving you more? You just lose it because you can't handle what I've got. Your capacity is too dinky, too small. Your thinking is too small. You think church should only be for a Democrat or for a Republican or for white or for African-American or Hispanic. You are as confused as a termite in a yo-yo. You're so dipstick small, I can't make you big. So our hindrance is not God. Our hindrance is not the devil. Our hindrance is our stinking limited capacity. We've got to think a lot bigger than we are. And we've got to stretch out and take some risk and move out of the comfort into a little discomfort so God can say, hey, now we're talking. Now I can do some big things for you. There are times we come to God and we say, bless me. 
God says, I'd like to, but I can't. Why not? Look at the little tiny cup you've given me. If I give you any more, you just waste it. So God says, give me some increased capacity for more opportunity. So many times God gives us opportunity, but our capacity is just too small. Sometimes God brings people your way. If you're in sales or in church, and they're potential candidates for the kingdom of God. And occasionally, some of them are big fish. But our capacity is too small. That's, you know, if Bill Gates went to the average church, do you think he might find it restraining, restrictive? Maybe if you're still operating in a, a small mentality and you're thinking very small and not big and you're against innovation and you think technology is Hollywood, uh, I, doubt he, I doubt you'd reach him. He'd say, you're too small for me to follow. You, you, you're going to, you know, you can't have a, if you've got a Kmart dream, you're not going to attract Neiman Marcus people. I don't know how to say it. I'm just trying to think of some way to show you the, the deal there. I want everybody to feel challenged, inspired, welcome, and like, wow, this, I, I'm going to hitch a ride on this rocket ship. I remember one of my mentors said to me one time, if somebody offers you a seat on a rocket, don't ask what seat. Get on. Take off. Now, let me give you some scriptures to establish and prove my point. Number one, 2 Kings chapter 4. One through six. It's the story of a widow woman married to a prophet. Her husband dies, leaving her in massive debt. Lesson there, boys. Get you some term insurance, you young married couples. Don't you leave your wife hanging out to dry with a lot of massive debt and no way to take care of it. That's, that's a sin, right? She can't pay the debt. Creditors are coming to take her boys as collateral. She goes to the prophet Elisha. Elijah says, go and borrow vessels from your neighbors. Hey, and don't get a few, get as many as you can. So she gathered as many vessels as she could. When she came to the point she wanted to pour more oil, she told her son, hey, son, bring me another vessel. He said, mom, there's not another vessel. And the Bible says, and the oil ceased. So question, did heaven run out of oil? No, earth ran out of capacity. What if the boy had brought 10 more vessels? He'd have filled them. The propensity of heaven to continue to flow in your life will be determined by the capacity you provide. The kingdom of God works on the principle of structure and flow. In Genesis 2, verse 7, the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground. What's that? Structure. Then he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. What's that? Flow. God told Noah, build me an ark, and he gave him the dimensions. What's that? Structure. And when the floods came, the ark floated above the waters. What's that? Flow. God told Moses, build me a tabernacle according to the pattern I showed you in the mountain. Don't change a thing. What's that? Structure. And when Moses finished building it as commanded, the glory of God filled it. That's flow. You know, God tells us, how to build marriage, how to handle our money, how to handle our health, how to handle business, how to handle relationships. God gives the instructions to us. He told Moses, build it just like I told you, and don't let your wife redecorate it. If I, if I want the lamp stand on this side, don't put it on that side. You do it just like I told you, and his glory filled it. And some of us are trying to do marriage our way. 
or leadership our way. And as a result, well, I just don't think that, I don't know what it matters. Well, I just think this, that's the problem. God didn't pay you to think. God paid you to obey. God says, do what I said. If you'll build it the way I said, you'll get what I promised you would receive. But we all want to do our own, well, own star state of Texas. And we're all going to do what we want to do. But if you don't build it the way God said, you won't get a good result. And that's tragic. So do it like I said, God says, and I'm going to give you some flow. It's going to be good. So if I want to enjoy the flow of God's blessings, I have to take care of the structure. In your life, in your family life, in your relationships, in your finances, you take care of the structure and watch God release the flow. Now, too often we're saying to God, release the flow. And God says, I can't. Look at your structure. I can't use it. Your life is a mess. Restructure your finances. You're spending more than you make. You are destruction waiting to happen. Restructure your marriage, your relationships. Get them in order. If you want me to bless you, get the structure in place, my flow will come. So we need structure and we need flow. This building, Summit, we're in, is a combination of structure and flow. There's steel and mortar and brick, that's structure, but there's also air ducts that allow air conditioning and ventilation to flow through the building, which you are enjoying now, which costs us a fortune. Outside in this summer heat, that meter is glowing, and CPS doesn't give it to us for free, but I hope you're enjoying it. All right. There's wiring that allows electricity flow through the building. In the wiring of this building, if it's faulty and you release electric power, you know a short can occur and the building catch on fire. And many times we're saying to God, send your power into my life. And God says, dude, the wiring is faulty. It would destroy you. Second thought. This is John chapter 2. John chapter 2. First 10 verses. Here's the miracle of Jesus turning water into Merlot at the wedding in Cana of Galilee. I, I just, I marvel on Twitter at some Baptist people who are leaders of significant churches who are dumb as a rock on wine. Just dumb. I... I, don't, I think I could be on crack cocaine and figure this out that they didn't call Jesus a wine bibber because he is drinking grape juice. That, that, ja that, that Jacob didn't wake up with the wrong woman in a tent after a party because it was dark. <laughs> that the, Corinthi the Corinthians were misbehaving and getting drunk at the Lord's table. I could go on and on in the Greek language. It's like, what has, there's no refrigeration for great Jews. Are you out of your mind? What God's prohibition is on drunkenness. Drunkenness. Be not drunk with wine. Be not addicted to wine. And if you've ever been an addict, even though it's biblically correct to have some, I would never if I had been addicted. You can only be innocent once. So for me, it'd be zero tolerance. I'm not going to take a chance at falling off a wagon and losing my life and my future. Not going to take your life's too valuable for that. Don't you think that's just common sense? I mean, it ain't, doesn't seem to be real common, but it, it is. Stupid does, doesn't seem to have a limit. I don't know. It's just crazy. 
So Jesus instructed the servants to fill the water pots with water, didn't he? There were six pots. The Bible says there were six. Each of them held 30 gallons of water. So the servants filled each pot to the brim. How many pots of wine did they get when Jesus performed the miracle? Help me. Thank you. It's an open book. Six. There's only six there. What if they had only filled one pot with water? How many pots would have contained wine? Just one. So six pots, 30 gallons each. That's 180 gallons of wine. That's 1,091 bottles of wine. And at any party, that's a lot of wine. Amen. Why do they have so much wine? Because they provided the capacity for the opportunity. They gave him lots to work with. If they'd have had 12 pots, he could have filled all 12. How many are you giving the Lord? In your finances, in your marriage, in your business, in the church. Are you narrow-minded? Are you small-minded? Well, I don't know if they're our kind of people. What does that mean? It just means you are narrow-minded and bigoted. When God throws the net to catch fish, you get all kind of creatures that come in. That's good. We want them. You've got to catch them before you clean them. Hello. You know, when you went to the restaurant and had a nice fish, a nice salmon, or a nice halibut or something, that sucker didn't swim into the restaurant. Somebody had to catch him and process him and clean him till he got to your table looking garnished and nice. Third point, John 6. Jesus fed 5,000 men, not counting women and children, because in the New Testament, they didn't count women. If they had only had 500 men, how many would he have fed? 500. How about if they had 50,000 men? How many would have been fed? 50,000. He's not limited in his ability to bless you. He's only limited by your capacity to receive it. He'd like to do a lot more for some of you, but you're going to have to change your attitude, your mind, your thinking. You're going to have to change your disciplines in order to increase your capacity so he can do more. Or you're just stuck and he can't do more. He loves you. You can go to heaven, but you're not going to reach your potential. Fourth, fourth scripture, Luke 5. Here we read about Peter in the boat with Jesus. Jesus told Peter, launch out in the deep and let down your nets. That's plural. And Peter said, I will let down the net, singular. He limited his capacity. And by doing so, he limited his opportunity. He caught the fish, but the nets began to tear. There were so many, and the boat started to sink. He didn't have the capacity for what God wanted. How many times has God wanted to move in your life or mine, but you refused to prepare capacity for him to bring you opportunity? And we failed to do what Jesus told us to do. Wow. Launch out in the deep. I think the Lord would like to say to some of you, would you take off your floaties? Would you get out of the shallow end? Would you get out in the deep end a little bit where we can do something? When I was a lifeguard at McGuire Air Force Base in college at the officer's pool, the biggest part of the pool, 75%, was the shallow end. And on it were more rules than God gave man. No diving, no jumping, no horseplay, no running, no nothing, no fun. And where your floaties, it was designed for safe, 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 and boring. And that's where some of you are. You got your little spiritual floaties on. And you can't do much, but you're safe. There won't be any wildfire, but there won't be any fire. There won't be any fun. 
But all the screaming and hollering and splashing and diving and losing the bathing suits down on the deep end. <laughs> Three diving boards and limited space. That's where the action is. And if you want some action, Jesus said, Peter, launch out in the deep. I got more for you, but you're just too small. You know, can, can you handle multiracial? Can you handle people different than you? Can you handle different culture? Can you handle and be friendly to people who don't see it the way you do when it comes politically or whatever? There has to be a grace. Jesus never freaked out with anybody. He was, his antagonism went to the religious guys who were trying to hurt people, but that's about it. I'm just saying, I can, I can disagree with you without hating you. I disagree with my wife, but I don't hate her. She disagrees with me a lot more, okay? But I, she doesn't hate me. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to say, you've got to get enlarged a little bit. So we're going to have a diverse community if we become the church that he wants us to be. And we're going to have all kinds of fish in this place. All kinds of fish. I mean, some of them climb a pole on the weekend at a men's club. Some of them are drunk on the weekend. Some of them are engaged in probably some illicit uh, actions or endeavors. Oh, you didn't know that. Oh, really? Could be the person sitting two seats behind you. You don't know. Don't look. Don't look. Yeah. You don't know. People in here in affairs, all kind of stuff. And God loves every single one of you. And he wants to clean you and help you change you, transform you. But you've got to have a capacity to bring people together so God can do that. And you're, I mean, go back to your old church somewhere. I, I, we were, you know, Cindy and I went back to our old church, and now they've restructured some. It's gotten so small because everybody's died. They're old. They died. There's no youth. There's no mosh pit down here. There's nobody shouting and dancing on the stage. They're still singing the songs they sang over 45 years ago. They haven't changed one thing. Now, does God love those people? 100%. Are they going to heaven? I have no doubt about it. But are they, are they increasing their capacity? No. God can't send anybody there because they kill them. And I don't want that. I want our church to grow. I want it to expand. I want to enlarge our tents. We're planning to move into Comel County next year and, and move into the New Bronzeville area. Comel County is the second fastest county growing in America. Statistics. Look it up. Amazing. We want to go to a 1 o'clock service this next year in here as well. That's for all the young millennials who sleep in and can't get out of bed because of the nightlife they had before. Now, those crowds may not be in here, but we've got a coffee shop and an NPR room. NPR on Saturday night has been full for the last four weekends. We have hoped now to move it and have a later one as well. Again, we're trying to capture fish. We're trying to reach different groups of people. Make sense? Want to keep expanding till, till, till we die or Jesus comes. God wants to bless you as an individual, a family, and a church. He wants to give us increase, but I've got to enlarge my capacity. Now, back to the story in Matthew 9 that we started with. Jesus represented a brand new move of God in the earth. And if anybody should have known it, it would have been disciples of John the Baptist. They heard John introduce him as the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. There's Messiah. 
Now, Jesus said you can't take a new piece of cloth, sew it into an old garment. Why? Because the new piece of cloth, the fibers are fresh, they're vibrant, they're flexible, they're moving. They are responding to the chemicals in the detergent. But the old garment has done all the moving it'll ever do. It stopped moving. And when you attach something that's still moving to something that has stopped moving, a tear is inevitable. Now, that's true in relationships, in your career, in business, in ministry, and other areas of life. When you take two people, one is still moving and the other stopped, it'll fracture the relationship eventually. Jesus said you can't put new wine into an old wineskin. Why? Because the new wine is still moving, still fermenting, releasing gas. So you've got to put it in a new wineskin that has the capacity to contain the gases. You can teach an old dog new tricks. Not every dog, but I hope you're one who can learn something new. Otherwise, you're stuck, and you'll stay stuck right where you are. And here's another concept. Sometimes I don't have enough capacity to start with, but I'm open, I'm sensitive, I'm obedient, I'm flexible, I'm pliable. God can teach me something. I can receive it and change, and he expands me, so my capacity increases. You know, I was telling the young adults the other night, my grandfather used to say, Ricky, uh, ignorance is when you don't know. Oh, I didn't know that. I can teach you. Thank you. I didn't know that. Anybody like me learn that in marriage? A few things? Go to Bill Sitter's class and learn something about finances. See, I didn't, didn't know that. I, I was ignorant. Stupidity is when you refuse to listen to someone who does know. Now, I, there's no cure for that. Does that make sense? So better to be ignorant than just stupid. It says, I'm not going to let anybody tell me anything. Not going to change anything. We always had a communion table at the front. And bless God, that's the way it's going to be. And I've watched churches split over moving a communion table like there was a communion table in the New Testament. Like they wore robes. Like they had a Hammond B3 organ in the New Testament. Are you kidding me? I'll eat the page. Find it. <laughs> we just get silly, don't we? How flexible are you? Dallas Cowboys, when they were winners, used to have the flex defense. Oh, yeah, come on. Here come, here come. They used to, I said they used to, you know, they had the flex defense. They would bend, but they wouldn't break. That's where God wants you. Be bendable, but don't break, right? God wants to stretch you, some elasticity, like the trousers you're wearing. <laughs> So if you pour this new wine and it's fermenting and moving in a brittle container, it'll tear the old container and it'll be wasted. No good. So God says, enlarge your capacity, make yourself expandable, make yourself flexible so I can increase you and do greater things in your life. Jesus was saying to these people, there's a new move of God on the earth and it's me and it's standing right in front of you. But the problem with you Pharisees is you've stopped moving. You've grown stale, hard, calloused. You're going nowhere. If you want to be part of the new move of God on the earth, something has to give. And, of course, Jesus was accused of being a troublemaker, a maverick, always doing things differently, always upsetting the status quo. And to a large extent, he was guilty of all that. <laughs> it wasn't evil, right? Because something that stopped moving 
can never be accused of upsetting the status quo. But if a church gets accused of causing trouble in the city because it is turning them on and it is really reaching masses of people, oh, get ready for the criticism. It happens all the time. See, there's no friction without motion. So get ready. You'll get accused of everything under the sun. But just remember when it happens, generally it's because you're moving and they're not. They've stopped. You'll never realize how outdated the old is until you bring the new next to it. Ever buy a new outfit, but it didn't go well with your old shoes and accessories? Hmm. Or a new piece of furniture, and it made the rest of the living room look like junk? Well, when God introduces the new thing, it shows up the old thing and makes it uncomfortable. Some of you will feel uncomfortable by the things God is doing in the midst of you. People will come you're not familiar with. They will look different. Music styles might change. Government of the church might change. Style and presentation might change. God's word won't change. Do you have the capacity in your heart for the opportunity God will bring your way? When you, I said earlier, when you catch fish, they're not clean. You've got to catch them first. Did, did you know the majority of members of this church aren't saved yet? Some of them are not even born yet. And look at some of the empty seats. Do you know how much it costs to put those seats on the floor? And for each of those seats, there is a potential person coming into the kingdom of God. And God wants them all full. He told his disciples, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. Change the order. Do whatever you have to that my house may be full. God wants it full. And he says, go do what you need to do to get them here. Be relevant. Okay. Now, I got my landing gear's down. We're on final approach. Put your tray tables in the upright lock position. I am getting ready to land. Let me give you four wineskins that'll hinder your capacity. First, irrelevance. Irrelevance. That's in Matthew 5, verse 13. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how can it be flavored again? It's good for nothing. Throw it out. Trample it underfoot by man. See, when food has no taste, we know what to do. Put a little salt on it. When salt has no taste... There's nothing you can do. What can you add to salt that has no taste? Nothing. Nobody ever says, this salt tastes steaky. <laughs> no. Salt affects anything and everything it touches, and nothing affects the salt. And Jesus said, you, believer, are the salt of the earth. So when it loses its salt in us, it's totally good for nothing. It's irrelevant throw it out. When your church is growing and you're not growing with it, you render yourself irrelevant. When the company you work for is growing and you're not growing, you just rendered yourself irrelevant. When two people are in a relationship and one is growing and the other is not, watch out, one now becomes irrelevant. Some of you wore clothes 10 years ago that are now, thank God, irrelevant. How many remember leisure suits? Oh, Lord Jesus. You've outgrown the fashion or style or size, and we got to continue to grow or risk becoming irrelevant. Nobody's, you're not, you're answering questions nobody's answering, asking. That's irrelevant. And if you don't know the culture and you're not in touch with the culture, you can't reach the culture, Right? They didn't get saved when I did in the 60s or 70s like some of you. We don't sing the same songs. Nothing wrong with them. They're just irrelevant. 
I don't want to do something irrelevant to anybody. I want it to be relevant to people's needs and to the culture we live in. The culture our kids are living in now did not exist when I was a kid. When I went to school, here's the two things that could hurt you and get you in trouble. To the max, you could get caught smoking in the bathroom. You could get pregnant. That's it. Now you can get shot and killed. Now you can do drug deals. We didn't have any of that when I went to school. It's coming, but we didn't have to deal with it. It's a tough world out there right now. Number two, here's another wineskin that'll hold you back. Religion. The word religion and the word relic come from the same root word. And that word means remains. Religion is what remains after God leaves. If I wore a nice fragrant cologne and I came into the office, people who know me would have no doubt Rick was here. But when I leave the room, that fragrance will remain for a while, but I'm gone. And when God enters, his fragrance enters, but sometimes he leaves and his fragrance remains for a short while, and we continue to worship and fellowship with his fragrance. But he's gone. We enjoyed the nostalgia one time of being a small church, and we knew everybody, but God's moved on. And the most dangerous place to be is where God has been, but now gone. And many Christians are eating where the Holy Spirit once was, but he's gone. Just old dead religion. Here's a third wineskin that'll hurt you. Tradition. The Bible tells me the Word of God is alive and powerful, but Jesus said, oh, there's something, Rick, more powerful than the Word of God. Matthew 15, verse 6. Jesus said, you've made the Word of God of no effect by your traditions. Now, tradition can be good or bad. It doesn't have to even be biblical. It could be good. But tradition comes from the word trade. It means something that has been packaged or sold to you. Uh, I tell the story of a woman who always cut the end of the ham off before she cooked it. The husband asked her why she did that. She said, I don't know, Bill. My mom taught me to do that. So he asked the mother why she did it, and she said, well, my mother taught me to do that, Bill. And finally, he asked the grandmother why she cut the end of the ham off before she baked it. She said, I don't know why they do, Bill. It wouldn't fit in my pan. <laughs> Just a tradition. See, be aware and conscious of things that have been packaged and sold to you that render God's word of no effect in your life. A tradition. Like I said, the communion table there, a choir robe. God doesn't care if you do or you don't. But if it becomes irrelevant, then get rid of it because it isn't commanded by Scripture. If the tradition is holding up what God wants to do and it's not commanded by Scripture, get rid of it. It's just a tradition. Well, our tradition is all women have to wear hats or they have to wear pantyhose. There's no Scripture on that. When it says let a woman be covered, it ain't talking about a dumb hat. It's talking about being under authority. If a woman preaches in this pulpit, she comes by my permission, and because of the board of elders and the senior minister who are in authority, she is covered. And she's as viable to preach as, any, as Billy Graham or anybody else. It's got nothing to do with your dumb hair. Sorry. I get carried away sometimes. So we got to be willing to change. I guess the question is, are you? When is the last time you did something for the first time? you got to be willing to adapt to times and seasons to be effective. What worked in one generation may be totally ineffective in this generation. 
Styles are changing like crazy. That's okay. Truth didn't change. But the style did. Well, it's just too loud. Well, honey, you're 80 years old. Get you a dollar pair of plugs from Walgreens. I'll send one of the guys to get it for you. Move a little bit to the back. God bless you. Now, let me ask you something. What is it you wouldn't give up other than truth for people to know Jesus? I've got grandchildren now, and I had children. I remember buying 20 bucks for a veggie tail video. I hated it. Talking vegetables. But my, I laid down $20 so my children could pick up a relationship with Jesus. What is it you won't lay down for others to pick up a relationship with Jesus? Time of service, style of service, music of service, sound of music. Yeah. See, Jesus laid aside his attributes of deity, didn't rely on them to walk as a spirit-filled man, to reach you, to reach me, to die for me. What is it I'm so hung up on I can't get over because of love for humanity and people to have a relationship with Jesus? See, the organizations that prosper today are willing to adapt and move with the times. So when leadership comes up with concepts and ideas different from your idea of church or your background, they are resisting tradition and trying to adapt to a changing time. You know why the Titanic sank? Not because of the iceberg. It sank because it wasn't willing to change course. The ship was warned six times of icebergs, but it stayed on the same course at the same speed that resulted in disaster. And last wineskin of complacency that's the biggest enemy is our past success we did something in the past it went really well and we want to continue doing that the same way forever but it becomes again irrelevant and ineffective you can't coast on yesterday you need fresh manna today Paul said in Philippians 3, I do not consider myself to attained yet, but I forget those things that are behind me, the past, and I reach ahead for those things that are ahead of me. And God's calling everybody in this room to enlarge your capacity, to increase your flexibility, and allow God to expand you. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit summitsa.com.